You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Kevin Cook, and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 96 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined uh, by my two co-hosts this week, uh, Jeremy Paxton and Kevin Cook. And as you heard from the intro song boys are back in town and uh guys great to have you both in studio for the first time in what seems like a year yeah uh the boys are back in town really you went to that well and that's that's kind of straight down the middle right right on the nose i pitched it's raining men i think would have been better but uh but we i'm pleased we're all back in the same place we vetoed it so (laughs) i know yeah i I pitched pretty hard it it was a close vote for me though i i I really actually could have gone either way but no I'm, i'm i'm glad to be back and i'm alive too uh you guys uh, we were congratulating on you yeah, well, fair enough. I was in the hospital for like two weeks. I, what happened? Uh, uh, MRSA, staff. You know, uh, I've had it a number of times, so I think every time you get it, it's like worse. It becomes resistant to whatever antibiotic you took last time. So I, here's, here's, the, here's the upshot of it. You know, don't touch a lot of things. If you're in a locker room, let's say a high school locker room, you're interviewing somebody, I, I try to I'm stay, handsy. I, I try to stay out of high school locker rooms. Did you roll around on the floor? Well, you know. I'm just going to say, just be careful. If you're in that kind of environment, that's all I'm going to say about it. Certainly don't touch okay. the, uh, the players. Have, have you guys seen Masters of None? Yeah, I love it. Okay, so it kind of reminds me of like you're the, the real-life example of the sickening. Yeah. Like it's, it's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I barely. I mean, the doctor. I mean, it was it was always out like for a couple of days. You know, the doctor's trying to take care of me. So, hey, uh, Cypher uh, Hospital. Uh, congratulations, to the other guys. They got me better. Uh, they took good care of me. Um, you know, the nurses were very friendly, but not so not can, sexual in a weird way. So, so, can we like reach out to them for like a sponsorship or something? I'm I'm totally thinking about that. I actually pitched that to some people there, and they're like, "We're not interested in talking about that." Right <laughs> now. we are nurses and doctors that are trying to heal you. I was like, "Well," but at the same time, I have a podcast. And like, <laughs> Fair point. So, I I, I will say. Uh, before we get things started, I was actually covering uh, the Houston Regional uh, this past weekend. And, uh, of course, Baylor, U of H, Texas A&M, and Iowa were in that regional. And, uh, of course, Saturday, uh, I was at the game, and uh, U of H just smoked mm-hmm. Jeremy and I's Baylor Bears in 17-3. to It was like a football score, yep. except Baylor actually kicked a field goal, which <laughs> is kind of surprising. But, <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, U of H, great facilities. That mm-hmm. was the first time I'd been at the ballpark in probably about a year or two. Uh, just amazing what they've done. Actually, set next to uh, Joseph Duarte and Sam Khan, also Bryce Cherry from the Wake Up Trib, uh, a few guys that we've had on the podcast, yeah. and uh, we talked a little bit about the podcast. It was, it's a little it weird great. when you walk into a room and like four of the five guys you're talking to have been on the show before. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. It's awesome. No, it's great. And uh, I, the seventy-three. That's like, okay. I mean, did you talk at all about how might you know play out if U of H and Baylor played each other? Like. Do you think it'd be better? Do you think it'd be worse than that score? So you're talking football. I think that's a valid point. We actually discussed this in the press box. I'm going to pose it to both of you guys real quick. If Baylor and U of H played in a football game, now we're talking new head coaches for both schools, with the margin of victory, which is 14, two touchdowns in the baseball game, would the margin of victory be larger than that on the gridiron? I think U of H would smoke us right now. That's, oh, it's pretty I, abstruse. I'm thinking, I'm thinking through all the little pieces of that, and, and it's a really weird question. Well, to and ask. I say that you know, both uh, new coaching staffs, right? I think Baylor's in a more precarious. Both a position. lot of question marks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think Baylor's in a much more precarious. It wouldn't position shock me if you had that deficit go if you played two times and had uh, one team blow out the other, and then and then reverse course on um, the second game. There, I mean, I just think that there's not. Yeah, there's no, there's no track record. There's no right. uh, precedent history. It, it's a, it would be so that's that's kind of an interesting take because the consensus and it was unanimous in the press box was that a hypothetical football game between Baylor and U of H would be closer than 14 points. Now okay. there was kind of mixed reviews on who would win. I think there was a lot more confidence in Matt Rule as a head coach than Major Applewhite, Probably which fair. 
I, th- I think that is fair because we head coach yeah, is not. Yeah, we discussed I mean, multiple times on the show that we were surprised that Major got the job, especially after right. you have Todd Orlando named the interim head coach. And I think that if you're reading between the lines, uh, of course, your, Hunter Yurchek, the AD uh, or whatever he is, VP of athletics, he was on the show a couple episodes ago, and he did not explicitly say this, of course, but but I got the impression from that and from things that I've read and heard and so forth that uh, you know Todd Orlando would have been the guy they would have liked to settle on, and that Major was uh, you know sort of their second choice. So he's all potential at this point. He has been for years. And I think that's why you really can't say like we know what we're getting from major right yeah I, I think institutional stability though counts for something i mean when you're playing uh, a matchup like that i think the fact that u of h has had a much smoother easier ride in inside the locker room and outside even with the coaching transition i think that that might carry something in a game like that yeah and there is coaching transition but at the end of the day there is continuity with a large part of that staff especially right. having major as the offensive coordinator who's been there for a few years knows the system there's not going to be a lot changing on defense or uh, i'm sorry offense and then on defense of course you've got ed oliver one of the best defensive yeah. linemen in the country and i think that creates a lot of hypothetical matchup problems against an offensive line at baylor that right now just doesn't look good from what we've seen yeah but, it's a huge question mark as to what baylor's offense is going to look like come in the fall so at least u of h has some sort of vision on like well this is what we've had and this is what we can expect going forward baylor is like i, I mean there's been a talk what four or five different schemes that they're yeah gonna run? absolutely I mean, who knows so uh a fascinating Matchup. It's fun to talk hypotheticals. Yeah, absolutely, in this long, dark period that we're in until right. college football season. Right. And, uh, of course, hypotheticals, uh, it, it deals with a lot of incoming recruits. And if uh, you want to talk like incoming recruits, high school athletics, of course, you can follow K. Michael Cook on Twitter covering Cypher. But also you can follow... I cover uh, a lot more than Cypher. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, if, if you want to follow some other great high school content as well to kind of figure out the uh, the, the future recruits that are going to be playing at U of H, future recruits that are going to be playing at Baylor, uh, check out Todd James, uh, one of the friends of the show, uh, host a Locker Talk Radio, uh, Sundays from 12 to 1 on ESPN 97.5. And I think if you follow him on uh, social media right now, you can actually get a, uh, a free gift card uh, to Freddy's USA Steak Burger. So uh, mm. make sure to follow Todd uh, on social media. He does a, terrific. Yeah, he does a hell of a job. I've been on uh, a number of those locker talks, four or five, I think. Of them. And it was actually only when uh, when he couldn't get a hold of people that were more important and well-versed in the scene <laughs> than I was. But I mean, you know, he, he was very gracious to have me on. He's a, he's a ter- tremendous pro and, uh, and a very nice guy. So I'm glad to see that he's a friend of the show. I did not realize that we claimed him as a friend as a show. I'm proud to say Of so. course. Yeah, we, we, only, we only support great podcasts. And uh, Locker Talk, The H, great podcasts. We don't support terrible podcasts like Sports Talk. Yeah. Houston, well, uh, Houston Robert, Sports Talk. Yeah, Whatever that's called. <laughs> we don't care what it's called. It's garbage, by the way. But and uh, you know that's what it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Like uh, you know, we we all like each other and ourselves. <laughs> I think, um, I, and Robert Land doesn't. It shows in his product. We're not going to cut that. No, we stand by that. We, we, but, uh, <laughs> um, you should hear the stuff we did actually cut about it. We, we listened back later and went, "Ooh, that's too much." Yeah, yeah, a little, little over the top, but <laughs> but okay. So we've talked hypotheticals real quick about Baylor U of H, but the one sport that we should probably be discussing right now is the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros, forty and sixteen to start the season, best record in baseball. They took two, the first two games against the Rangers. Currently, as we're broadcasting right now, they're up three nothing in Game Three of the series. Absolutely crushing it right now. One ninth straight games homered in 12 straight games uh keichel looks to be in cy young form nine and oh on the year with a sub two era mccullers looks good i mean kevin jeremy i know you guys aren't diehard baseball fans 
This has got to get you fired up, right? Here, here's what I want to ask you about, because you mentioned the, the win-loss record for the pitchers there. And I've, I've, I'm under the impression that sabermetrically speaking, that that has kind of fallen out of favor, even measuring that. I wonder how I think, long... I think wins-loss matters. I mean, if you're 9-0, that speaks for itself. Uh, does it, though? What, what does it actually say? I, I've heard that it's too interdependent you are beating all of your opponents. run support and, and you know, the, the offensive portions Fair, of it. Fair, but I think, I think one thing that you can look at is you can look at whip, you can look at FIPS, sure. you can look at ERA, and all of those for Dallas Keuchel show that he's the front runner right now for the But you, you mentioned two stats, right? One of them was win-loss. I think a lot of people do that. That is usually like the first or second thing mentioned about a pitcher, and I've, I've, I'm under the impression that it's not really... That, that is fair, because I think a few years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, listeners, just send us a tweet at Weekly Brewcast, but I believe uh, Roger Clemens, one of his last years with the Astros, I think he had like a, a minuscule ERA, so he was flat out dominant in games, but his win-loss record wasn't that great. He exactly. was a few games over 500, and it was a result of the Astros not being able to put up runs while he was playing. So yeah, I do agree that wins loss can be a little bit misleading if your ERA is low, but your win-loss total is about even. But I think if you're Win-loss if you're at 9-0, I mean, I, th- I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, perfect does say something for sure, but I just wonder if there's going to come a time in not too long when, when maybe some of those more um, esoteric sabermetric stats are what we're listing instead of win-loss. We're starting to see that. I mean, if you watch the Astros broadcast on Root Sports, they, Jeff Blum and Todd Callis, we've had Todd Callis on the show before. Uh, have we not had Blum on? We have not had Blum on. We should get him us? on. We should get him on. But I will email him they, they, they talk sabermetrics, and I just love it. And Jeremy, I know you're probably... You probably don't like sabermetrics in baseball, but you I, do. I love like sabermetrics in baseball. <laughs> I, I love it when uh, it allows when you, what it shows is what is allowing our team to take the Texas Rangers to the watershed. I mean, this is amazing. That's fair. I mean, like this. This is my 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 quasi religious fanaticism, and this really taps into my my visceral hatred for the city of Dallas. And, and you actually have legitimate religious fanaticism too. So I just really packed it all in there. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I I, I, I hate Dallas and everything about that city. And, and, and the Rangers are no exception to that. So seeing us sweep the Rangers, seeing um, not just the team. Because, I mean, you know, historically speaking, when, it, when it's Astros Rangers, it's usually the other way around. So this is a, this is a much better outcome, I think, if you're a fan of the rivalry between them. Right, absolutely. And I know you're, uh, we, we all really hate Dallas. And I think the last few years, the Rangers have simply dominated the series. But uh, one thing to kind of note is uh, the Rangers last year were 36-11 and 11 in one-run games. Uh, this year, they're 4-9. I think a lot of that has wow. to do with a a bullpen and Sam Dyson who uh, hasn't been able to close out games, but the Astros this year, they're also, I think they've got something like 18 or 19 come from behind wins this year. I mean, we look at what they did on Memorial day. They were down eight to two in the seventh inning or eighth inning and ended up winning that game 16 to eight. I mean, uh, this is a team that never sleeps on offense. They're never out of games and it's just so much fun to watch. And even if you're not a fan of baseball, you've got to like the bobbleheads and they've got a game of Thrones. They do. I'm so excited up. about this. This is actually an Astros game. I will willingly go to and willingly sit through. You get Dragged too many Astros games. I've been to a few Astros games. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of I've I've kind of been uh, I've I've just been ambivalent about the whole experience. I I usually am a fan of the concessions, and that's where I spend most of my time. But uh, (laughs) this is an event. Well, now they have Torchies tacos in center field. They have Torchies, and they have Game of Thrones bobbleheads. I can just sit there in my seat and look at my bobblehead for the duration of the game and be completely happy. Not on the not on the field itself. No, Kevin is like he's like, oh my god, I need to go to a game. I would watch that because then you're talking about guys that are not doing much in the outfield had that sort of temptation to go get themselves a bite. You know, during play. Well, I mean, think it's an it. extra element. It could, it could be a marketing ploy. I mean, exactly. a few years ago we saw Towel Hill. That was just a nice little gimmick. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a we had a, a, a flagpole in center field that was actually in fair territory. Right. Now, if you open a taco stand in center field, <laughs> you would be it's the a game only changer. Major League Baseball stadium <laughs> with an active taco field in play. That would taco be, field. Yeah. I like that. Taco maybe, stand. Maybe our bad boy could be dressed as a White Walker. I think that would be like next level. 
move by the Astros during that particular game. Interesting. Game of Thrones, yeah. Interesting. Austin doesn't know what a White Walker is. But I don't. For I'm those of you who do watch Game of Thrones, you know this is a terrifying villain that no one wants to see. So therefore, the opposing team would be terrified of our bad boy. I've I've never seen Game of Thrones. I'm sorry, it's, guys. It's sad. I, I made you sit through an episode. You lasted approximately 23 minutes, and you fell asleep. I well, I think actually the time that I went to a Game of Thrones watch party with you guys, I think I was actually watching a baseball game on the side. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even tell there. you who's playing, but it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, this week uh, ESPN actually came out with a, uh, I guess the top 100 most famous athletes in the world. Um, of course, it has a lot of soccer players. Have you guys seen the list at all? I've not seen the list. I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, so uh, kind of, I guess, not surprising. Uh, the top athlete in the world, any guesses? I would say LeBron. No, well, no, there's probably a soccer player, right? Uh, yeah. who, who's the most? Uh, Cristiano uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, of course, Ronald, he won the... Uh, the no, Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Of course, he won the uh, the Champions League on Saturday. But number yep. two, LeBron James. There number three, Messi. Roger Federer, the tennis player. And that's number just going to be that Messi's lower, though, because I, I, I had gotten the impression that over the last maybe like three to four, maybe five years, that he had sort of uh, distinguished I, himself beyond right. what Ronaldo had done. But I, I think in terms of on-the-field play, he's ahead of Ronaldo. I mean, It's got to be I'm, terrible I'm, for anybody that loves soccer to listen <laughs> to us talking about soccer. Right, I can just imagine. We're clearly like. not subject matter experts on this, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with sex appeal, and I think uh, Ronaldo has a bunch of I like modeling endorsements. You know, like Messi. Messi. All right, fair. I could throw him around. <laughs> Too much information, <laughs> but uh, okay. So let's just go through this. Um, not many women actually made this list of top one hundred. Weird, right? Athletes. Uh, only eight made the list. And uh, any guesses on who the highest ranked woman would be? Uh, active athlete, currently famous athlete, without looking. Uh, I'm looking, so I, I'm, I'm looking. It's actually a little surprising to me. Who, who is it? Is it Ronda Rousey? It's Ronda Rousey. Yeah. yeah. Who has gotten absolutely destroyed in her last two UFC fights? Wait, well, where, where does she rank on the list? Number sixteen overall. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, that to me is a little surprising. Wow, Why is Serena Williams ranked? Ronda. That that's that's a trap. I, th- I think I that's think not, Serena Williams not right. should be ranked higher. She's yeah, she should be ranked, ranked higher. She should be ranked ahead of Ronda Rousey. I think I think a lot of it though um, comes down to. Fame endorsements, and of course, they say that Ronda Rousey has eight million dollars in endorsements, nine point five million Instagram followers. I, I think that has a large part to do oh, wait, with how it. How many Instagram followers? Nine point five million. Jeez, that's uh, it's like nine point five million more than I have. Uh, I think nine point five million more than all of us combined. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but when you look at Serena, maybe that's not true. I mean, twenty million endorsements, five point three million in Instagram followers. Um, to me, there's no world in which Serena Williams is not the most uh, dominant, famous, successful female athlete around, maybe of all time, but certainly active currently. And, and oh, without question, yeah, she's definitely not behind Ronda I mean, Rousey. And, and the, the, what's impressive about Serena is the longevity. She's been able to do it since the '90s, winning major after major. Uh, you know, almost came up with the the Grand Slam in a single season. I mean, she's I mean, just remember when Venus was like kind of on her level, and then what is she even doing? These days, well, right? Venus is still like top ten, top fifteen in the world, but it's just, Serena's been so dominant <clears throat> right. that she just takes over that list. But actually, is, is she on this list? It'd be interesting. She's not on this oh, list. Oh, she's not even on it. Damn. Uh, <laughs> you look at some of the other women in the in the top one hundred: uh, Maria Sharapova, number twenty three; Simone Biles, Houston product, number awesome. forty eight; Hope Solo, seventy five. That to still me love is still love a little her. questionable. Still love uh, her. Caroline Wozniak, 87. I would marry her uh, Eugenia Bouchard, 93. And Allie Raisman, number 99. So two of the top eight are actually female Team USA gymnasts. Is that a little bit surprising? 
Well, so yeah, I guess so, because I'm not exactly sure what the algorithm is for this, but to even have that many at all is kind of surprising. Yeah, this is like world famous, so I don't, I don't exactly know what, yeah, exactly how they're measuring this. But I do think it's a little interesting that uh, Tom Brady is only number 21 on the list, and he's the highest ranked NFL player. Yeah, to me, that, yeah. that just goes to show, I mean, NFL is such Helmets. a big deal in the United States, but as Kevin said, helmets. It hides the identity of that athlete. It's a name it's, on the front of the jersey, exactly. not the back. And I think owners sometimes treat that mm-hmm. as reality when they go through and make roster cuts. I mean, uh, don't think that Bill Belichick wouldn't cut a, a player that, uh, you know, might Literally be, or figuratively. Right. I mean, <laughs> he might cut a player. He's not going to cut Tom Brady, but say that it made sense for him to cut... Uh, you know, a star defensive player. He's done that in the past. I even think Belichick can't wait until the day when it's actually a good idea to cut Brady because I think he just would relish doing it, even, you know, beyond... I think that he loves those moments where he is the guy that is the mastermind, that is heartless, that is ruthless. That's like his whole identity. I think it works for them. It's like the exact opposite here in town. It's a little discouraging how we stick with guys, Rick Smith sometimes, that I think probably have outlived their usefulness. So looking down a little bit further on that... Uh, list of top NFL players in the top 100 Cam Newton 47 Drew Brees 52 Russell Wilson 55 Aaron Rodgers 56 Eli Manning 60 Odell Beckham 61 JJ Watt 74 I think JJ is a little too low I mean maybe we're a little biased because of what we see here in Houston yeah but his, his campaigns aren't nationwide of course you see we are inundated but with he's him, but arguably the best player mm-hmm. in the NFL um yeah, he was in the he's MVP got so discussion. much endorsement money i mean it's just i'm surprised at that to be honest a little well a little surprised he's ranked that low on the list but i'm also you just got thighs like a thoroughbred if if it were if this were more football centric in terms of like how the the makeup of the list he would be much higher undoubtedly but this is giving preference to several other sports about football which is not because it's world famous again it's not as we scan through the list here who who jumps out to you as being like vastly wildly overrated or overranked on this list because there's one in particular that i noticed that was like huh I'm surprised Tiger Woods at number 10. I was just about to say that. Yeah. You mean like 10 still? Like it ought to be lower? He's currently number 10. Um, I think that just goes show, it shows you how popular of an athlete he was in his heyday because he hasn't really been relevant as a golfer in the last three, four years. Yeah, he's been more rel- uh, relevant as a philanderer than a right, golfer. And he's still number 10. Yeah. Um, to me, I'm a little surprised there's not a baseball player in the top 100. I, I, I think there's not a single baseball There's not a single wow. baseball player in the top 100. Um, <laughs> You're looking at other golfers, Phil Mickelson at number five. To me, that's a little bit surprising. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know who Phil Mickelson is, but you know, if you were to ask anyone really who just passively follows golf like I do, I mean, about anything about what he's done, I mean, you could probably tell, oh yeah, he's won a couple of Masters, whatever. But I mean, outside the golf world, does anybody really know Phil Mickelson? Well, the thing is, is when it comes to endorsements, he's all over the place in terms of. Like AIG, uh, he's got like I think Cadillac or some sort of car company. His agent does not know how to say no. Right, exactly. But I, I think that's good for him. Uh, looking further, a little, a little bit further down the list, uh, Dwight Howard, number sixty-five. That to me is Ooh. a little bit surprising. Um, uh, thirty-three. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Derek Rose, thirty-three. Fair point. He's fair not point. thirty-three on any list of any one hundred of anything. I mean, he is he is so irrelevant now. I don't know why he would still even be famous. I've already forgotten about him. That's a fair point. What about James Harden? Where do, where do you think he guys? Where do you think he sits? Uh, well, well, first of where he should sit. I think. Well, this is famous. It's hard to say whether someone should be famous. But it, it, listen, if you even know that basketball is played professionally, you should know who James Harden is. He's like one of the three to five names that you should know if you know any at all. So yeah, he checks into the top thirty, and I think a large part of that, that is because, of course, his two hundred million dollars shoe deal with Adidas, yep. and then uh, him being a part of the Rockets. Because if you want global fame, you've got to have China, China. and China, China has been so great to the Rockets since. 
course, Yao Ming uh, was drafted in the early 2000s. I'm really excited about that, too, because when they take over this country, uh, financially or militarily, <laughs> I don't know which one it's going to be, maybe both, but I can then go, you know, I'm a huge Rockets fan, and I'll have that to connect be with like, them about. Save him. He's okay. Right, exactly right. <laughs> you know, I, so I, I used to smoke Newports when I lived in like a primarily black part of town. Like I always need to have that in with the community that's around me. <laughs> That's going to count for next to zero when they want to send you to the gulag. I mean, just no, 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 because I'm going to talk to the, the gulag operator, what they call them, COs, uh, GOs, I guess, in this case. And I'd say, you know, uh, hey, hey, you watch the Rockets? Of course you do. You're Chinese. Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> Fair point. So interesting list. Uh, we'll link to it on our website, weeklybrewcast.com. But uh, let's talk a little NBA Finals real quick. Uh, we are recording this before game two. Of course, game one, uh, Warriors just absolutely went to work and... Uh, dominated uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Game 2 is about to tip off uh, this evening. But uh, here's a little note for you from J.A. Adande from ESPN. Steph Curry on two days rest this season, 30.7 points per game, 48% from the three-point line, an offensive rating of 128, and a plus-minus of 23.5. That doesn't bode well for LeBron and the Cavs. Those are terrible numbers to go up against. What do you see this series? Is is it going to... I don't know. Because we we had Jeff Van Gutty on the show this past week, and Hunter and I asked him, do you see this as a series that can go to seven games like last year. And to be perfectly honest, even though last year's series went to seven, it wasn't that exciting. There were blowouts in all games except game seven. I mean, this has been such a hype series. Golden State won 12 of 12 in the the playoffs. Uh, Cleveland, 12 of 13. It looked on paper that it was going to be a great series. But after game one, and I'm not trying to overreact, I don't know that we're going to get that great series. I think this could be a four or five game series. I think it's, uh, and that's that's an interesting point. First of all, I think a lot of people that I was listening to in the in the media were calling for a sweep. I could see that happening certainly. But the more interesting question I think is that we've seen this trend now, where the finals games aren't that close. So you had uh, like the nineties to the aughts, right? You had like the sort of grinded out low number of possessions where you had close games that were getting right to around hundred points apiece. Now with the three point shooting, right, high risk, high reward. We've talked about this with Daryl Morey, who's been on the show before. You're just going to have games where you don't shoot it that well. Or you shoot it really, really well. And so you end up with these games that are actually uh, well, way apart in terms of score. I think that's, that's an unintended consequence of moving behind the perimeter more is that you're going to see more of these series where it may go seven games, but there may not be one close game in it. That's a totally fair point. And as a basketball fan, though, it, 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 it is frustrating that we haven't had a good series in the playoffs no. yet. Well, I, well, oh God, I can't remember who played now. I feel like there was one good series. Was I think it Spurs, the Rockets, Grizzlies. Is that that was a good series? But think about it. The first four games, it was split two two, but those were blowouts both ways. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, I, I, I it kind of concerns me because I, I this is the same note that I mentioned on the past two podcasts that we've we've had. But the last five NBA champions have either been the Spurs, Golden State, or Team LeBron. Yep. There's not much parity in the NBA. and There's we, not much parity, though. If you look at who's won a championship all time, it's really not even that many teams. You know, it, it's, it's, it's right. pretty it's rare to get there, and teams tend to do it over and over again. But does that make it entertaining? And, and Jeremy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. Uh, you know, we see a little bit more parity in baseball. We see different teams coming up and, and winning the World Series. In the NFL, I think there's a decent amount of parity. I mean, gr- granted, we've seen uh, the Patriots kind of have a... a you know, a dynasty the last decade and a half, but and you see teams uh, turn around overnight too. Right. I mean, we've seen the Seahawks come out of nowhere. We've seen the Broncos come out of nowhere. We granted uh, Carolina hasn't won a championship, but they kind of came out of nowhere. I, I think we can they, see that came out of nowhere. Yeah. I came out of nowhere. I like that. I like that. But I, I don't it. think that we see that in basketball. And is that frustrating to you as someone that's kind of a fringe basketball fan? Can you get invested in a sport when the same teams win every year? 
You know, and I, that's an interesting question. I think Golden State has um, Golden State's fun to watch. I think as a absolutely, as, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun team to watch. So like I, I I can I can get into it if I'm watching the game, but I don't. I don't take time to actually like follow it, and and that's the thing. Is You're not going to make I a know, musty TV. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I'm not I'm not going to miss anything else. You know um, that I want to watch for you know Golden State Golden State game. If it's on, I'll watch it. If if there's something else, whatever. Um, I, I do think it's I, I I you know as a casual fan, I kind of get the sense that there's sort of this like middle of the pack, and then there's just kind of that upper tier. And I would like to think the Rockets are sort of hovering that upper tier, and then you they're got, borderline. Yeah, they're borderline, yep. and then you have. Kind of this, you know, the high, the upper echelon where you have, you know, the LeBron and the, you know, the Warriors and a few others, and I, I feel like until you know my city can break into that, it's hard. You know, whereas in football, like if the Texans have the Texans have the ingredients where if they really wanted to, they could break in and I think compete with the Patriots if you know, let's say Tom Brady got hurt, but. Um, no, it, it is it is a little hard because it feels like there's a bigger gap in basketball than there are in other sports. To your point, Austin, you asked, is it entertaining? Does it draw you in or whatever? You know what you never get asked if you go to buy cocaine? Like, I've never, was it entertaining I've never enough for it. you? Please was tell that, us, was that, Is there any way we can make the cocaine more entertaining? Do you speak from experience? <laughs> oh, no, I really want to hear this. Uh, I'll plead the fifth just like the uh, rolling around on the locker room floor. But my point is that <laughs> this stuff is like crack for some people like me. You know, I, I will watch any game it's on. I have the league pass even though I can't afford it. I can barely eat, but you know, I'm watching the league pass. Priorities. <laughs> well, you know, I have my priorities. Whether they're good or not, I'll leave it for... But, uh, but see, that's the difference. I mean, you grew up on the NBA. You were, you're an NBA fan. It's, the it's only kinda... pleasant memories I have from my childhood are watching basketball. Well, it's kind of like me with the Astros. I mean, if the Astros are great, I love it. Like yeah. I, I, I am absolutely loving this start that they've had. Forty and sixteen, they're, they're up glowing. right now. Yeah, they're up five nothing right now in the Rangers. Uh, it's just great. But when they were bad, losing one hundred and seven, one hundred and six, one hundred and eleven games, I still watched because I'm you a were fan. mopey, but we yeah, but you watched. But I'm a fan, and I, you know, I followed the minor leagues a little bit more because I knew that. Uh, you know, those prospects were going to be up and helping the team contribute in a few years. But if you're a fringe fan, as Jeremy suggested, it kind of does make it tough to get invested if the same teams win all the time. Well, especially when analysts are saying, well, the Rockets have had a good run. Good for them. You know, and it's like sort of the assumption is that there's just no chance that they could go on and beat a team like the Warriors. Well, and it's interesting because Jeff Ngunni told us on Tuesday that uh, the Rockets might not have a better record next season, but he thinks that they could potentially go further in the playoffs. I mean, all things clicked right this year with Harden, a, a new look offense. Uh, you know, didn't click in the playoffs. Though. Did not click in the playoffs, but maybe that ended in spectacularly unhappy bad oh my fashion. Gosh. Yeah, well, we <laughs> all predicted. Game, yeah. We all predicted we'll the Spurs that. would win in six games, but mm-hmm. but not like when, that. When the Rockets, you know, just needed to win one more game and and couldn't. I don't. I don't think we thought they would lose in that fashion. So but that that particularly means, to see your star, um, not just struggle, but look listless and, and but uninvolved. that's the thing. He was so. You know, Jeff and Gundy is not a fan of rest, but LeBron rested. Mm-hmm. Curry rested. Kawhi rested. Ultimately, the injury issues yep. hampered the Spurs, but. Harden played 81 out of the 82 games. And I think that and he played they, significant minutes in those games. And so he looked gassed yep. the last two games. So what do you do as a Rockets GM? If you're, if you're Morey, do you go in and do you try to get like a, I don't know, who can you bring in as a free agent? It's funny because if you look at the Morey interview or whatever, he talked about how there's really not any data or, or scientific analytic sort of perspective to support this idea that like a little more rest equals a little more, you know, of, a, of a being ready for it. But, but I mean, come on, we see it all the time. It's got to be true, right? Why else does LeBron need the rest and demand it, you know, as part of his schedule? Well, because he essentially played, he's, I mean, seven straight finals, mm-hmm. he's essentially played 
another season and a half. And or two he doesn't seasons. look like he's gassed or close to to losing a step. Even really, I mean, can you tell a difference between LeBron now and LeBron three years ago? I, he, I think he's better now. Well, yeah, and of course, well, Michael Jordan did the same thing where he was less athletic but but more canny or whatever. He's doing that same thing, but he's lost even less athleticism. Well, yeah, and I, I think I think the difference between LeBron, old, old LeBron, new LeBron is that he makes other people around him better. He's always been that way, though. He, he just had terrible, terrible teams around him when he was with the Cavaliers the first time. It went until Miami. They actually got some support. He's always been a guy that made the guys around him better. They were just so bad originally in Cleveland that hey, he could only make them so much better, and they kind of required him to do a lot of scoring. So hey, he's in the perfect situation for sure. But uh, but I, I, I don't like the Warriors, honestly. I do not like the Warriors. I totally support Kevin Durant's decision, his ability to do so or whatever. But yeah, it does make basketball less enjoyable to me to have no mystery. So here's a question that I want to ask both of you. It's something that I asked Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, when you have, How many times are you going to drop his name? <laughs> he, he's a great guest. He's a Go great back guest. and listen to it. But he had, he had an interesting answer, and I, I kind of want to get this from both of you. Since you mentioned Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, he's always played second fiddle to LeBron, right? He's always been the second or third best player in the NBA. Although Fair. I would say he's been the best offensive weapon in the NBA for a right, number of years. Right. But, but you're right overall. He doesn't have a championship. Right. He's 0 1 as of now. He's five against, days away from one. Yeah, he's 0 1 now against LeBron. But when he does get that title, does that. Does it, does does it that validate him at all, though? Right. Does it validate him? Does it still leave a cloud over his legacy? I, I mean... Nah. I know how this stuff works. I know all these pundits, right? I know how people love to go on and have a hot takeover. I know exactly what they're going to say. I mean, it's going to be the narrative they've already kind of built into it, which is when he left, they said, oh, he's going to join, you know, these other power guys. Like, how does it, that's going to detract from his legacy. Yeah, I think that people are going to talk about it, and people are going to remember it's not Kevin Durant's championship. It's Curry's championship. It's Draylon Green's championship. And he's, so, so what separates Kevin Durant from joining a super team compared to, like, LeBron creating a super team that's the difference and having they were in the finals the year before. titles they were in the finals the year before and they were a game away you know game away for several games actually but so, so okay so we're putting more stock in kevin durant if he had stayed in oklahoma city won a title with westbrook yes that would clearly add to his legacy but this just kind of keeps it the same winning a title with westbrook is actually like winning three titles i'd give him a lot of credit for that because he's a ball hog yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> what difference can you make when you know he's throwing himself the basket all the time and not giving you the ball Fair point. So, okay. Uh, basketball, uh, we all think that the Warriors are going to sweep. Uh, Astros doing really, really well right now. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if, if the Cavs take a game. I mean, it just, it just seems like LeBron is dying right? as he has been. Like, you got to have... I think he has that superhuman ability, and I just can't see him losing all of that. That'd be crazy to me. All right, so let's get into uh, kind of the other big story of the week, and uh, that happened uh, Saturday over in London. Uh, we've had, what, three terrorist attacks in the past two, three weeks in the UK. And I know that's a tough transition to go from NBA finals to terrorism. Uh, but Jeremy, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, of course, we had the, the bombings at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester. Uh, what was it, like 20 were killed? or, or It was a high it was like, number. It was like 22, yeah. It was yeah, a high number. Bomber, and then, of course, yeah. Saturday, uh, there were two terrorist attacks in London, one with a vehicle, one with a knife. Uh, it seems like the UK right now is just um, having a lot of issues with national security. And, and I'm curious. I, I'm going to start off with this real quick. You, you can address the terrorist attacks in general and, and talking about, uh, you know, security, immigration, whatever you want to, whatever angle you want to go to. But I, I want to ask you, both you and I, we're going with a, a group of friends to, um, to Europe in November. And do you have any reservations or concerns as a traveler when it comes to going abroad now and seeing all of this chaos? Because, I mean, last year on the show... There was a terrorist attack in Nice in what June or July. Yep. We had friends that were there when it happened. I mean, does that does that 
raise any red flags when you book a plane ticket and head abroad? So it's actually kind of crazy. So uh, my girlfriend was in London in 2005 uh, when their subway was bombed, and she was also in Boston uh, when they were when Boston. Okay, well, was she's bombed. a terrorist. Yeah. Well, obviously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that uh, that solves that, right? Uh, no. <laughs> It, it, She's in the room. By it's the way. something. Yeah, it's it's something in the back of my mind. To be, said on, to, to be honest dude. with you, as a, as a traveler, it's always something in the back of my mind. I, I'm kind of happy that where we're going um, is not is not been affected by those issues lately. But it certainly makes you wonder. You know, I mean, what if we were going to London? What if we were going to Paris? What if we were going to say a city in Germany where some of this, you know, some of these things right. have happened? So yeah, it, it, it's on. It's in the back of your mind. Do I think that there's a chance that we get caught up in something? I think it's slim. But, I mean, the, the fact that there have been this many attacks in the last year, the year to two years, it does make you wonder, absolutely. I think, from my perspective, you can't live in fear, right? I mean, this stuff can happen anywhere. You can be involved in a car accident. You can be, uh, you know, the, we had the shootings last year in Dallas. Um, I don't think that you can live in fear. I think you still have to continue to travel and live your life. Uh, you, you should be cautious, sure. I mean, be cautious and vigilant when you're in large crowd situations. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I think there's a potential for this to get worse over time. And so I'm under the mindset of travel as much as I can right now until, you know, it just becomes unsafe. Sure. And you can say the same thing about uh, climate change too, right? The whole, the whole Fair. planet will be, uh, uh, like a smoking, smoldering mass of carbon before long. So go right. to oh, someplace you want to go see, right? It's going to be underwater soon. Go see it like as soon as you can. Right. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if, if there is sort of, uh, not necessarily a silver lining, but just <clears throat> something to consider for all this, you know, the knives and vans, those are things that any of us can go pick up. That sort of speaks to the limited operational capability of these groups, you know, because really the more complex plans involve guns, bombs, you know, planes, things like that. So, I mean, these people that are doing it, they're, they're, they're executing it with relatively limited resources. So that limits... That, the, to me, that is a lim- frightening. Yeah, it is. Well, but, right, but that limits... <laughs> Everything you're saying but, only scares me well, more. Well, but that limits what they can do more so than if they did have access to bombs. Now, the Manchester attack was sort of... Out. My thought it, is, it like, was, if they're doing this with no resources, imagine what would happen if somebody gave them some money. Right, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, And that's what's scary, because the Manchester attack, I mean, suicide vests are kind of hard to make. And so uh, the fact that... None of mine have worked. Right. Well, <laughs> and good for you, Kevin. Uh, no, but uh, that you know, the Manchester attack was sort of a one-off because it, it was it was different in the way that it was played and executed, as opposed to you know these pressure cookers, right. vans, things like that. I mean, because that that happened in, in, in Nice as well. You're or. Uh, in um, you know, the Paris attack, just some guy getting in a van and just driving into people. What happened in Berlin, uh, right. you know, this past Christmas season during the Christmas right. festival there. Absolutely. I mean, it happens far too often in the world, and I think you should be vigilant. But one of the things that I want to ask both of you, and Jeremy, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, MSNBC anchor Thomas Roberts twice asked guests if President Trump is trying to provoke a domestic terror attack trying to provoke I, I think that's absurd i think there's a lot of things that come any number of things that msnbc says on any given day are ridiculous that i mean it doesn't really surprise me but to be honest with you um i i think that if if we're going to answer his question if his answer if his question is not rhetorical um absolutely not of course but sure he's going to leverage this incident as with others to you know get his some of his policy objectives accomplished i think that's without a doubt true so what, what what steps do you think, both of you, do you think need to be taken in order to enhance a little bit of security? Because, I mean, we, saw, we, well, we saw after 2001, after 9-11, the Bush administration, the Republicans, Democrats instilled the Patriot Act. Yeah. More surveillance. Uh, 
knock on wood, it seemed to have been effective, at least within the United States. It was it was abused uh, grossly a number of times. Well, maybe. Well, sure, it's government. No, I, but, I, mean, I guarantee you but, for sure, but, but there were documented cases. Well, I mean, we've seen, we've seen like Snowden and all, all the WikiLink stuff, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of don't mind increased surveillance if it oh. means there's a chance that they could thwart an attack. No, no, no. I think that this is the this is the uh, uh, the cost of doing business in the in the modern world. If you are a Western um, or perceived as a Western bastion, right, like in the U.S., U.K., there are a number of places like that. Then you know there are people that just hate us, and they hate us with great reason too. I don't blame them at all for hating us. I, I don't like their methods. I don't agree with them, but I think that increased security is not even really the issue. Like this is going to happen. It's not. They're not wiping out swaths of the countryside. These are attacks that are scary, but they're isolated incidents. Well, and okay, so so to, to Kevin's point, I, I don't think it's something that we should have to get used to. There were some comments, I think, from London's mayor. Um, What's the most, alternative? Mo- mo- most silly,ly no, he he made the comment that well, having terrorist attacks is just a part of living in a big city. I think that's ridiculous, and we should not have to settle for that at all. So, but on the other hand, I'm I side with the civil libertarians. In, in the and in taking the stance that I don't want, I mean, I'm a conservative. I don't want to give government Are more you? power. I don't want to give go- government more power. I don't want government to have the authority to do things that they could potentially be used against me. I mean, I, I look at some of the some of the programs running the Obama administration, and they were terrifying. Like through the NSA surveillance of American citizens, I, I'm really not okay with that. Now so, that being hold on, said, hold on. do we do we just reach like some sort of agreement between you and Kevin? I was You're just thinking everything no. he said sounded really really reasonable. I've never no been I, in this I, no I, I'm not a no I, I'm 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 it's, it's, the, the more power government has, the usually the worse off the rest of us. Well, are. I mean, it's and it's, so, it's that Lord Acton quote: "The power corrupts, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely." Yeah, right? well, and and I, I I'm 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 for you know scaling back the 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 police state essentially that we live in. Yeah, in some and the sense. I mean, really, what happened with the Patriot Act wasn't. I understand the rationale behind it, but it, it, I mean, Kevin's right; it has been abused in a lot of instances. And actually, I had a friend that uh, he was caught up in some. Uh, some issue with his was it your job. terrorist girlfriend? No, no, it wasn't my <laughs> terrorist girlfriend. But he, um, he, he had he had some guys come to like his house in the middle of the night and like knock down his door. He came to the door and was like, "Hey, let me let you guys in." And they just like knocked it down and came and took him away in cuffs. And of course, released him later because you know. But it, it was it, it was. But they were able to do that because of of a provision of the Patriot Act. And so. It's, it can be kind of scary stuff. I, I think that that's why the Constitution is there is to protect us against a state run amok. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm definitely more on the side of the civil libertarians. But I'm also, I think it's good that we, we need to give law enforcement the tools that they need. But that doesn't mean compromising the Constitution. Uh, that's a totally fair point. But uh, interesting stuff coming out of London. And, of course, more information will come out over the next few weeks. And uh, uh, just thoughts and prayers to all the, the people that have been impacted by this. And uh, very tragic what has happened. But keep in mind, this happens all the time also in the Middle East. Happens in Afghanistan. Happens in Iraq. Happens in Turkey. It's stuff that the, uh, the U.S. press just doesn't talk about. And it, I think it hits a little bit closer to home when you see it happen in you know, the more populous cities, uh, you know, such as London, such as Paris. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that we can't just look at this as a global problem and not just a Western problem. Uh, But yeah, uh, keep on traveling, folks. I mean, don't let this uh, keep you living in fear. Uh, I mean, come join us in Greece. (laughs) I don't know. We're going to Greece and Amsterdam uh, over Thanksgiving. Did you have to tell them? Well, when you say that, you have to tell them. (laughs) There's a huge group and uh, it should be fun. But the huge group does not include Kevin Cook, but uh, But you don't even like travel. And I was invited, so I shouldn't I shouldn't complain too much. (laughs) It's really more of a financial thing. So I appreciate the invitation. I will not be there. But if if you're not going to Greece, you can hang out with me here in Houston. All right, fair enough. You can uh, catch high school football playoff action with Kevin Cook. Wow. And roll around. Lots of other stuff, man. <laughs> and roll around on the floor of locker rooms. Yes, catching we will, I will do that. He with will you. show you the best techniques on how to. <laughs> 
how to catch staff. So. Yeah, yeah. So just leave us a review, and I'll, I'll be all over there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you want to follow our work, just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Of course, you can uh, check us all out on social media individually. K. Michael Cook on Twitter, at Fiesta Barrow 8, myself at A. Staten. Of course, Hunter Atkins 35, you can check him out. Great you stuff. Ch- you can change your Twitter handle now, right? Like, if you don't like, like, if I don't like K. Michael Cook, I could keep the same account and switch the actual, like, letters in the name, right? At something else? Maybe. I, th- I think, I'm pretty sure. So I, I'm, I, I'm just I, wondering, I, Jeremy, how long are you going to stick with Fiesta Barrow 8? I think forever. I mean, wow. I, I've, I've got some pretty dank retweets on there, so I, I think I'm going to keep it <laughs> just the way it is retweets. because people name, know that that's where they go for Name me your retweets. dankest yeah. retweet, if you would. Dankest retweet. Yeah. Uh, you, you came up. No. Okay. The other one the other day. Um, if you can't <laughs> tell me how many genders there are, you, I'm, I'm going to pass on your theories about the climate in a hundred years. You're an idiot. Okay. Absolutely. You're a moron. What, so you, what no, moron you're, you're a moron if you can't tell me how many genders there are, but then also tell me what the climate's going to be like in hundred years. I, it just demonstrates right, to I'm, me I'm, you I'm, don't I'm understand the concept of gender. I think you're being willfully <laughs> ignorant about climate change. So right. You're a moron. All right. I'm sure so what, kind of pivoting, pivoting to a new subject right now. Astros <laughs> up six nothing in the fourth inning as we are podcasting, but uh, storms are coming here in Houston. Stay safe, Houston. Uh, it's been great. Uh, it's talking. Uh, are we done? Yeah, yeah. It's been great I having. Feels on. I mean, it's been forty five minutes. I mean, we got to We got to We got to let go. I mean, we've we've already had a hell of a show talking um that was the quickest 45 minutes since i had like sex with sting (laughs) interesting and on that note on behalf of my co-host kevin cook jeremy paxton (laughs) my name is austin staten we'll see you next week and guys remember this week no matter who you are where you go or what you do always always brew responsibly you've been listening to the weekly brews 